Hello and welcome back to another episode of You Want to Do What? Today we've got Seb on, who is an events coordinator. Hi Seb. Hi guys, how you doing? Good, thank you. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. Good, let's jump straight in then. Um, do you want to tell everyone a bit about what you do? Yeah, so um, I am an events coordinator. I work for a company called Jack Petchy. Uh, it's a foundation, so it does a lot of charity work, obviously. Um, and it works with young people who have sort of outstanding achievements uh, or have done something outstanding. Um, and it basically awards them um, and it gives them a sort of, you know, a little boost. Um, and it gives them a small amount of money, which goes towards something that they can choose to spend on in the school or the community or the club or whatever they're working towards. Um, and I'm on the events team. Um, but obviously events at the moment are quite scarce. So they're all online and they're all done digitally. So I essentially make the videos uh, okay. and sort, sort out the online online events. Okay. And um, what made you choose to go into events? Um, well, to be honest, I, I graduated um, with my undergrad uh, and started looking for jobs. But it was that what kind was your of, undergrad? So my undergrad was English literature, um, which is you know, it's not, it's not a very specific thing for what you want to go into afterwards. Um, so I graduated with that and then thought, what, what do I want to do? I have no idea. Started looking at jobs, got a lot of calls like sales, um, recruitment kind of thing. Had a couple of interviews for those, realized it wasn't at all what I wanted to do. Um, and then for whatever reason, I just decided to go back to university, do a master's degree uh, in international events management. And I think from then I just sort of decided that's what I wanted to do. That's quite cool. So the interesting thing, uh, one of the reasons we got you on is because obviously the pandemic hit um, during your um, year doing a master's degree. Uh, do you want to run us through sort of how your master's degree started off and then obviously where the pandemic hit and how things sort of changed for you? Yeah, it was it was a bit weird, really, because when I started, I thought this is great. You know, I, I know what I want to do. I know what I want to go into. I know what I want my future to be like. Um, started doing this events management degree um, six months later like after I decided I wanted to do it COVID like comes along ruins everything completely destroys the whole event industry I'm halfway through doing a master's in it um, and uh, I saw sort of, yeah I didn't know where it was going to go um, from then so I did I did have to do uh, an event on my course as part of the part of the degree uh, which we did um, an immersive Harry Potter movie screening Okay. So we set up our, a room in university, like Hogwarts, had loads of decorations, <laughs> we had like floating candles, uh, letters coming out the chimney, keys floating around the room, like in the first movie. Um, but that was sort of just as COVID was starting. So I was right at the beginning. So a month later, we were, we were all in lockdown. I should, um, actually, um, uh, I, have it, I, I know Seb and I know when that event was and it was the week of lockdown. Yeah, it was, oh, really? it, was, it was quite crazy, really, because we had this event and then a week later we weren't allowed to go outside. So it it was a bit it was a bit odd, really. That must be um, quite scary for you to be doing a master's in an industry that is basically collapsing before your very eyes. Yeah, no, it was. It absolutely was. And then I had to do my dissertation, uh, I did my dissertation all from home. Um, it was like 15,000 words. Didn't go into university once, did it all from my bedroom, Jesus. Um, which was a bit was a bit unusual, really. Um, and then I finished that and then obviously had to try and find a job with a master's degree in international events management, which is what I wanted to do in an industry where I haven't got the experience and there isn't an industry for it at the moment. So it yeah. wasn't wasn't the greatest time for me graduating. With your degree, it's obviously quite a niche thing. What sort of things did you get up to and do? You obviously had a, a, 
Harry Potter showing which you created. What sort of other subjects did you study? What on the other modules on the course? Yeah, some of the modules. Yeah, so there there were some weird ones really um, that are related to events, but also very loose on what you want to write about. Um, So there was there was things like marketing, there was strategic financial planning, uh, business. There were sort of all these overlapping things, everything that would come into an event, uh, an events uh, role, you could say. Um, And some of them I had no clue about. So I didn't even study something like business or economics at GCSE or A-level. And then the first time I'm ever doing it, looking at sort of profit and loss statements is on a master's degree module, which was was a bit weird. Um, I never had any experience in it. Nothing I've done before was uh, numbers. I've done always sort of English, drama, philosophy and education, sort of philosophy, um, like P kind of stuff, stuff like that. So numbers have never really been my thing. And I'm on this course doing a master's module on numbers, statistics and stuff like that. So that was Um, a bit odd. So I think you handed your dissertation in towards the end of summer, um, which was obviously sort of an odd time because we were sort of coming out of COVID and then we went back in and then we were coming out, went back in. But obviously you handed your dissertation, you sort of had to, you started looking for jobs. What sort of things were you doing at the time? Um, what happened for you? Um, so I got quite lucky, really, um, in a way that as I finished my dissertation, the hand in was on a Friday and I had a contact who managed to get me a part time job, which started on the Monday. Uh, and that was working in London. That was just doing some uh, it was doing some IT stuff, but sort of very basic IT stuff, sort of moving files from one place to the other. So as soon as I finished handing my dissertation on the Friday, the Monday I was working. But that was for it was a three month contract. And that was in that, that brief gap where things had opened again. So I sort of thought, oh, I've got quite lucky here. Finished my master's degree. Perfect timing. Next, the next week I'm working. Um, but that was a dream that didn't last very long because my last day there was the, the day that they announced the lockdown in, was it November, November, December time? Yeah, around then, yeah. Um, and then they announced that and then I didn't have this job anymore, which they sort of wanted, they wanted me to stay. But the work that I was doing, I couldn't, I couldn't do from home. I had to be in the office, but I couldn't be in the office because of COVID and I was only a part-time contract and whatnot. So between November and I think it was May, I just, I was just doing nothing. I was just sort of applying for jobs. I was in that, that weird phase where you're trying to get a job, but you can't get a job because no one's hiring. Um, and that was, yeah, that was a, not a great time, to be honest. How did you sort of, did you tweak your LinkedIn? Did you do anything else to kind of stand yeah, I, out? I did, I did all that kind of stuff. Um, I think I, when I finally got the job that I'm in now, I went back and just deleted some of like 30 different CVs off of my computer. Sort of each one was slightly tailored towards different companies, had different bits of information in. But I had so many different tweaks, ways of formatting it. My LinkedIn, I tried to keep up to date, but someone that's got no experience looking for a, a role in a, um, an industry that isn't alive at the time, was it was, it was impossible really. Um, so I did sort of try everything. I tried getting LinkedIn premium and sort of messaging people directly that couldn't be messaged. Um, but everywhere just sort of said the same thing. and said, thanks, but we're not hiring at the moment. So it, it did feel like a bit of a dead end at the time. Luckily, what- we're out of that now, but what does the kind of future of the events look like coming out of of the pandemic hopefully um because obviously virtual events have really taken off yeah they have they absolutely have um i think the future of events the, the the brief gap that we had where virtual events were a big thing i think they did really kick off because 
I think at the, the beginning of COVID, there was something quite exciting about everyone being at home and doing all these things online. I'm not sure if you guys did it, but having like a Friday night Zoom call with all your friends, there's like 12 of you sitting there with a few beers, things like that. Yeah, it was, was fun actually at the beginning. Quite, it was, yeah, it was yeah. quite exciting. So that sort of transition over to digital events for that period, this like year and a half period, it did really take off. And because you couldn't go to live events, people did really enjoy doing the digital events. But I'm, I'm sure you can imagine that now that things are starting to open up again, people don't want to be sitting inside, like watching a computer, computer screen of an mm. event that's going on. They want to be going out, which is great. Um, and as for the future of events, I think that it's going to be, you know, if you look at sort of the Euros right now, it's packed. Everyone wants to be outside. Everyone wants to be going to events. And everyone wants to be doing things. So I think it's, it's a booming industry again because everyone's not been able to do anything for a year and a half. And now that they can, they just want to be out. Can you explain to me a little bit more about the events industry as a whole? Because to me, events are maybe, uh, I don't know, corporate events um, and maybe something like, you know, uh, a company decides to host maybe a football game or something. But what are events used for? What kind of companies do them? If you could just expand a bit more on what actually the events industry is. Yeah, so I think I I sort of agree with you. Like when you are outside of it, looking in, it's sort of quite a small a small amount of things that happen. But I think whilst I was on my course doing my masters um, in events, um, and I found out what everyone else wanted to go into, I it sort of exploded into how many different possibilities there are. So like we get the same the same essay question, for example, and everyone has got a completely different approach on what they're answering. So, you know, a wedding is an event. Someone's got to organise a wedding. Um, festivals, obviously, football matches. Uh, my personal um, favourite of what I want to go into in the future is eSport events. Um, I'm wow. not sure how, how much you two know about that. Um, I know, Julie, you know quite a, little, quite a bit about it. That's absolutely exploding, isn't it? Esports. It's yeah, it's becoming quite huge. quite huge. And to be honest, COVID has sort of given that a little kick as well, because whilst people have been at home, one thing they've resorted to is they're playing a lot more games. Um, I think Warzone absolutely took off Fortnite because of because of um, the lockdowns. People were at home, and when they're at home, they played games. Um, but yeah, events they're just they're just anything, anything that people meet i think there was a definition of it on my course i can't remember exactly what it is right now but it's something like a group of people a designated place a designated time is an event right so it could be you know meeting your meeting your mates down the uh, down the pub for a couple of beers is an event if you said we'll be here seven o'clock seven of us are, seven of us are going it's an event but then you can take it all the way to the other end of the spectrum the olympics as an event so you obviously uh got uh, an interview for jack petchy to become their events coordinator yeah. um what can you run me through the process of what that involved after they you obviously sent your cv off and w what happened there yeah so i actually didn't apply for the job that they, they gave me so i applied for a role which was um events and i think it was events and marketing um so i applied for that i sent my cv off it but it wasn't a cv application it was one of those ones where they they give you their document and they want you to fill in all the gaps and i think it took me something like four hours to do it was the longest application out of the two three hundred i absolutely I sent hate those yeah i mean it was <laughs> it was those. i was sitting there and i was thinking God, i really have to get this because i've spent like my whole day <laughs> filling out this form um so i sent it off 
And I think it was about three or four weeks later. And I was like, I can't believe they haven't even sent me an email to reject me because everywhere else I was waking up to a new email every day saying, thanks, you've been unsuccessful. So I was getting very mm. used to it at this point. Um, so they didn't, they didn't get back to me at all. And then I think it was a, I think it was a Tuesday. They, they emailed me and said that job has been filled, but we've now got a job for you, which we want you to um, interview for on Thursday, which is just for events. It's a part-time contract three days a week um, for three months. So I said, yeah, absolutely. I'll interview for it. So I interviewed on the Thursday um, interview went really well. And then for me, the job on the Monday. So within six days, I've gone from not hearing anything back to getting offered the job. Um, it was just a one interview and then a test afterwards. There were two different tests. Um, and they said that like, the reason I got the job is because I just did so well on the test, which was quite lucky because I found out afterwards that some of the other people that were interviewing had years of experience. And one of the, one of the other people that was looking to get the job had something like three degrees, but they didn't do as well on the test as me. And the job was very much based on what, what the test was, was looking for. So the fact that they well in that is why I got the job. Uh, so what were these tests about? What sort of happened with them? And also how was the interview? Was it um, quite a casual interview, formal? Yeah, it was a nice, it was a nice casual interview. There were three people um, who is now my my boss and my boss's boss. And there was somebody else who was um, a winner of a Jack Petchy award. And yeah, it was quite, it was quite a nice casual interview. I think going into any interview, it, it can be quite nerve wracking. But as soon as I, as soon as I started, they were sort of like relaxed, you know, it's just a nice, nice little chat, get to know you, you can know a bit more about us. Um, so it was a nice informal interview, which I think was quite worked in my favor a little bit. Um, and then the two tests afterwards, it was, um, a list so you get into work the next day there's nine things you need to do order it order these in priority of what's most important to the least important and how you'd go about it like managing your time so it's sort of time management test and the other one was um sending out all the invitations for the award winners and there were i think nine mistakes on the um invitations and the the test was to find the mistakes, but they didn't tell you how many there were, but I found 12. So there were, tw- they, were they put in nine mistakes, but I found 12. And they said <laughs> that the, the fact that I found three that weren't even meant to be in there showed that that's exactly what, what they were looking for. Um, and that's, that's why I got it sort of based on, based on that. So what is an average day for somebody working in events? What kind of things are you up to? Um, well, I can't speak for live events because I haven't actually got around to doing any of those yet. Um, because all mine have been on digital so far. Now they're open up again, it might be might be a bit different. Um, so essentially what I'm doing is I'm making the videos for all the different boroughs and all the schools that have students from their schools winning the awards. Um, so I sort of my day my day sort of differs each day because I have a, I don't know, a one week, two week deadline. So I've got two weeks to invite the people, um, find out who's coming, find out why they won their award, send the reasons over to somebody else who does the voice recordings and sort of does the, yeah, it says why they won their award. Um, and then I put it all into a big presentation, turn it into a video, upload the video to YouTube via a private link, send that back to the schools with a, a the link and a ticket for each of the award winners and they log in uh, to YouTube, access the video and then watch it in the evenings. Um, you already touched on uh, during that test, you had some uh, 
being able to spot mistakes and uh, attention to detail. But what would be some other personality traits that you think are crucial for this industry? Um, I think not panicking is a big one because I've had days where it's sort of the day of the event and it's happening that evening. And a school will send me an email saying, oh, I forgot to tell you the name of this student who's meant to be in it tonight. I'm like, but I've already sent you the ticket for the link that's been uploaded. <laughs> and I'm like, this, this video has already been created. So, you know, you've still got two options there. You can kind of panic and think, oh, what, what am I going to do? Because this student has won their award. They're going to sign into the, the thing tonight to watch their, their video and they're not going to be in it. Um, or you can spend a quick hour, dial in, delete the video, amend it, make a new one, upload it, send them the link of the new video. Um, so I think it's sort of, yeah, not, not panicking is definitely a big one because it happens so often. Um, and also being patient because I'll get the same question asked to me so many times by different people. And it's such a basic question. Like if you, if you read the instructions in the first place, you'd, you'd, <laughs> you'd know like what the answer is to that. But obviously I can't say that to them. So I'm like, it's uh yeah. So I'm trying to be polite, but being patient and, um, not panicking, I think staying calm. Yeah. Keeping you calm. Go wrong, I can imagine for any event no matter how much planning whether it's a live event as big as you know glastonbury or um, a wembley football game or even to a small event like uh right anything that day of is going to always be a panic isn't it yeah no absolutely yeah things are going to go wrong like that's that's a hundred percent i don't think i don't think i've done an event yet so i think i've, I've done maybe seven working for jack petchy and i don't think i've had a day where on the day i haven't had to sort of work very quickly to make something happen um, and even when i did the immersive harry potter screening um when i was doing my degree um that was our charity event i mentioned earlier um on the day of the event i think we started working at seven the event didn't start until 8 p.m and i didn't eat or stop or sit down between 7 a.m and 8 p.m and even when the event was going on i was on my feet the whole time like, i couldn't sit down and relax because I had the event and it was half 10 and I was like, Oh my God, it's done. I've been working for 14, 15 hours and uh, I finally finished. So it's, I think, yeah, on the day of the event, things are going to go wrong and you've got to accept it and you've just got to remain calm. So let's talk a bit about the esports angle you're interested in, because I'm, I'm really interested in this. Esports is a massively growing industry. Um, you know, the participation levels in sort of classic sports like football and rugby and outdoors activities are, are dropping within teenagers and millennials and Gen Zs every year. Um, is that something that, you know, you're really interested in sort of developing the whole ecosystem and world of esports and the events that go on and, you know there's like super fans of particular gamers now isn't there like there was super fans or there still is of like cristiano ronaldo like this is the future of online gaming right yeah no 100 um i think the actual economy of esports is growing by something like 30 40 percent each year Jesus. Um, it's just growing more and more and obviously as more young people get older and understand and learn what what games are about um, and as technology is evolving and more stuff is constantly being released, it's been updated. It's only going to get bigger going from here. Um, and I actually I wrote my dissertation on um, esports versus traditional sports. So it was comparing the attitudes towards people playing football compared to people playing games like League of Legends, for mm. example. Um, so my my test I did was interviewing people that played games against people that didn't play games. 
and finding out what they thought about about playing games um, as sort of a professional career or as a hobby or do they think it's a waste of time or do they think it's like a valuable thing to be doing with your, with your life? Um, and it was very interesting because for the most part, um, age, gender and whether they play games or not, most people had the same attitude, um, whether they had like knowledge of it or not. Uh, and that was the, the stereotype of people playing games is still a bit nerdy. Mm. But it's absolutely like a dominating a dominating force going forward. So if you're good at it, then go with it. It's the same as football, in my opinion. Um, because if you play games or you listen to this, and you know, know sort of the professional side of it, there is a lot of talent um, and a lot of skill and a lot of training and determination that goes into being a professional gamer. It's not, you know, pick up a controller or sit down on a computer and just play a bit and you're going to be good. It's, it's a, a lot more in-depth than that. I think for me as well is the potential of things like VR and, and like things like drone racing and imagine the things and the games and the events you'll be able to put on in the future will be sort of, you know, incredible, really. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that I'm hoping to see at some point is some kind of eSport Olympics. I think that that would be amazing. That'd be very cool. Yeah. Um, well, so, yeah. Next Olympics in Paris, the one after Tokyo, um, they have esports in it. I believe they've got FIFA and a couple of other games that will be competing in the Olympics. Yeah, I think I think that shows like just just how up and coming it is. And I have no doubt that in the future it will have its own complete breakaway and have its own esports Olympics. It might might even be on the four year rotation with the Winter Olympics as well. <laughs> Winter gaming. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we like to talk a little bit about average incomes and we go away and do some research and just see if this sounds right to you. Yeah. Um, so apparently the average income for an event planner in the UK is between 23 um, to 28,000. Does that sound at all right to you? Uh, yeah. I mean, where I am at the moment, yeah, that, that, that does sound right. Um, I think for, for the average events, then if you look at like the most events that do happen, sort of smaller corporate events, um, I don't know, people that put on the five-a-side football tournaments for all the schools in Essex or London, for example, um, there is going to be, uh, that is going to be sort of the general salary. But when you look at the bigger things, obviously you can go a lot higher. And if you're doing other things, you can go under or whatnot. But yeah, no, that does sound about right. I assume if you go into an emerging industry like the esports industry, um, you know, you make a bit of a name for yourself. There's loads of startups, loads of venture capital in there. I'm sure, you know, you can make a name and, and make a bit more money. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope hope so. I like to think so. <laughs> Give it 10 years, I'll be able to answer that. <laughs> and you've obviously had a, an interesting ride so far into this events industry, but um, would you still go into the industry knowing everything you know now? Yeah, definitely. I think it suits it suits my personality um, and it suits the kind of, the sort of way that I like to, to do things. Um, I quite like sort of being a bit fast-paced um, with my life. Um, I don't really like sitting around too much unless I'm playing games, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I think I'd definitely go into it again. I mean, I'm only, I've only just started, really. I've barely even, barely even began. So hopefully I will uh, continue to enjoy it as much as I am now. And I'll be putting on some live events soon. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Seb. It's uh, been a real pleasure chatting with you. Wonderful. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, if anyone wanted to reach out, where could they find you on LinkedIn or something? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really sort of have a professional Instagram or Twitter like a lot of people do that come on here. Um, but I do have LinkedIn, um, which is just my name, obviously, Sebastian Dulake. Um, so yeah. 
Awesome. Brilliant. Thank you, Seb. Thanks, Seb. Cheers, guys. Thank you.